Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. This is the Entree Architect Podcast, episode 103. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, whether you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Architecture is one tough business. How do we find work? How do we find help to do all that work? And how do we grow? How do we make more money and ensure that our firms are profitable? Well, this week, I welcome back a friend of the show who, in the past 12 months, has interviewed almost 200 of us, almost 200 small firm architects. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. This week on the Entree Architect podcast, I'm speaking with Todd Redding, the COO of Charette Venture Group, about the three roadblocks experienced by every entrepreneur architect and what to do about it to find your way to success. This episode of the Entree Architect podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. Learn more at freshbooks.com slash architect. And 
the Architecture Business Plan Competition. It's free to enter, and the grand prize is $10,000. To learn more, go to archbusinessplan.com. Todd Redding, welcome to this edition of the Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's great to be here. It's uh, great having you here. You are the um, Chief Operating Officer of Charette Venture Group, also known as CVG. I am. And um, what CVG does is you invest in small firm architecture uh, companies, as well as my platform here at Entree Architect. You're a, a, a recent investor in, in the things I'm doing here, helping us grow faster and better. So thank you for that. Yeah, we're thrilled to be be your partner. Uh, you're a friend. And this past year, you've uh, been pretty involved in the things that I'm doing here. You've, you've been an advisor. Uh, you've, you've been a guest blogger at EntreeArchitect.com and uh, a guest speaker at the Academy, at the Entree Architect Academy, where we do training uh, once a week. Uh, you were a speaker there as well. So thank you for all of your involvement and your help with what we're doing here at Entree Architect. Um, no, it's been a blast. And CVG is also, with all of this going on, you're also the new platform sponsor at Entree Architect. So you're, you're sponsoring uh, everything we're doing here, including this podcast and the, and the blog and the newsletter and everything that we're doing. So, so thank you for your support across the board. Absolutely. We're, we're honored to be a part of it. And you are, this is the second time we've had you on the show here. Uh, back in episode 60, which was last January, we had you here to talk about the uh, Charette Venture Group's Architecture Business Plan Competition, which is just announced that it's, it's, it's we're doing it again, third year in a row. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit more, but if anybody wants to learn about the details and the background and all of that with the uh, architecture business plan competition, go to episode 60. That's entrearchitect.com slash episode 60, um, and you can hear all of the details. We will talk about that a little bit uh, later in the show, but I asked Todd to be here today to, to talk about architecture firms, uh, to talk about the struggles that we have as small firms. Um, before we do that, Todd, why don't you give us a little bit of a background on your role as COO at Charette Venture Group and what you do and, and how you do it? Yeah, sure. I can't imagine that anybody would want to go back and listen to episode 60 and then listen to this one and hear me <laughs> twice. But uh, but it was a lot of fun last January. You know, we were just getting started. Um, I was still just really getting into uh, CVG, um, actually just joined the firm um, at the end of 2014. So I was still just getting started when we last spoke. Um, and my background, as uh, I think we've talked a little bit about in the last episode, is it's completely in business. Um, I have an MBA from Northwestern. I've run companies before, started companies. It's not, uh, my experience is not in architecture uh, per se, although I did um, run a manufacturing company that was very involved with architects, uh, but I'm not an ar architect um, per se. And, uh, you know, just applying some of the, that business experience to the firms that we're working with to try to help them improve, improve the quality of business that they run. And, and to clarify, Matt Ostinick, who is the CEO of Charette Venture Group, uh, is an architect. And Absolutely, this yes. whole this whole thing that with Charette Venture Group and what, what you guys are doing uh, was his idea. And, and the intent is for him to give back to the profession uh, and create this this venture group as well as the business plan competition. 
Yeah, Matt is uh, sits on the um, Iowa AIA board and continues to be a licensed architect. Uh, he's running a variety of different organizations right now, but yes, has a passion for the field of architecture and wants to positively impact the way architects are running their businesses. So that's it's his vision, it's um, his his passion that really created our firm. Well, I wanted to talk business today. You you have. In this past year, you've been busy. You have interviewed over 150 small firms all across the world, right? I mean, you've talked to people outside yeah. of the United States as well. Yeah. Many different size firms, many different types of firms, uh, many different regions and, and uh, environments. What I want, I want to talk about the biggest struggles that these firms have had. But, but before we get into like the top three biggest struggles that architects have, um, what are some of the similarities that you've found by talking to these people? I'm sure there's been some common themes over and over again that people talk about. Yeah, um, there are, there are, and it's been a kind of an eye-opening experience for me to see some of those commonalities, you know, and there, there are things that you and your audience know very well about kind of the tendencies of architects to really be, you know, very connected to their communities, very um, interested in benefiting the general good um, you know, very uh, giving uh, people who you know want to positively impact the world around them, um, and and in the small firms, you see a lot of commonalities in terms of uh, wanting to have some portion of their work contributing to nonprofits or to or to the general you know the general public. Um, they're very interested in those kinds of topics, um, and that translates into a lot of strengths and weaknesses when it comes to running a small firm. Uh, you know, and and uh, I've heard you know from every one of virtually every person that I spoke to the lack of business training in their education and, and the lack of preparation to be able to run a small firm um, and the challenges that they face when they when they go out on their own. And I'm sure, and I know in the work that I do, I hear very common uh, themes about the things they're struggling with. One of the things I do when with with Entree Architect is I ask that question a lot. You know, what are the biggest struggles you're dealing with? What can we do as a platform to help you be more successful? So with your work, with your interviews, what are, let's go through maybe three of the biggest struggles that you've heard from small firm architects, and maybe we can talk about them a little bit. So, so you want to start with maybe a number one and go through that? Yeah, sure. I mean, the first thing I would say is that I, I get asked that question a lot, you know, from the research that we've done, what are the, what are the, What's the secret sauce to making the firm successful? And you know, in in some regard, one, once you've met a small firm and gotten to know them, you've met one, right? They're 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 one of a kind because every firm that's you know under five people um, is so the the culture and the functions of the firm are just so dictated by the people that are involved in it. Um, I mean, they're they're creating that whole culture and process and paradigm every day and so they're all a little unique because everybody's unique right um, and they all have nuances and uh, I wish that at the at the end of our research which never really ends but you know our research phase kind of went through uh, through July of this year and I didn't walk away with a very clear idea that there's one secret pill that we can apply to you know all of this category of struggling architecture firms that would make them successful. Um, everyone's, everyone's different and everyone has, um, has different challenges. But 
you know, to, to kind of move to a very high level and look at it across the board, there's no question that in, in small firms that are really under five people, you know, you've got, uh, you've got everybody doing a little bit of everything, you know, and we found um, the, the architects are doing the marketing and the business development and the finance and they're trying to organize the processes while serving clients and doing design work. So, you know, I, I guess if I was going to put one, one point at the top of the list, I would say it's, it's being embedded in that, in that place where you're working long, hard hours to try to keep the business strong and it's, it's not understanding or knowing what you need to do next to grow out of that place. I think that's a very common feeling among small, small firms. Um, you want to do good work for your customers. You want to develop a good portfolio. You want to stay in business. You want to make payroll. And, you know, all of these things are kind of wrapped into one. And knowing how to get out of that place is just a real common struggle. Yeah. And, and you don't want to lose the artistry of what we do. True. Very there's, true. There's so many, there's, there are many people that they, 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 they just don't want to lose the design end of what we do. Yeah. Uh, and they feel that if they grow, they're going to lose that. Yeah. So, I, so how do we approach that? How how do we grow? What are the steps in, in in getting from that place where you feel overwhelmed and you're doing everything and you're not even doing the design well? How how do you get out of that? How do you grow? Well, I mean, eventually you're going to have to move to where you, as the owner, are dedicating a certain portion of your time to working on the business. You know, you've you've got to pull yourself out of the day to day operations. And begin to develop a plan, uh, begin to put the right uh, policies and procedures in place so that you can hire and add to staff. You're going to have to take that risk. And that's probably what I would put a second on the list is so many of the firms that we've talked to, they don't, they don't even know where to begin when it comes to hiring an employee. Uh, a lot of them have had bad experiences hiring an employee or they've hired someone, coached them, and thought they were a part of the firm and the person left to go start their own firm. And so, you know, there's a lot of horror stories out there, but but you have to build the right platform so that you can hire people and nurture them. And that's the only way that you're going to grow, uh, grow the firm and get out of that place where you're in the trenches doing everything every day. Um, so you've got to have a good hiring process. I'll give you a couple of, just a couple of quick ideas when yeah. it comes to hiring, if your audience is interested. I mean, Number one, you know, we tell firms you should always be hiring. You, your website should always say we are hiring because you never know who's going to come in the door. Even if you don't actively want to bring somebody on payroll tomorrow, you just you never know what kind of talent is going to approach you and you never know what kind of a talent doesn't contact you because they don't think you're hiring. Um, you lose nothing by telling people you're hiring. and It actually sends a very positive message to the marketplace, to your competitors, and to your own employees that we're always looking for new talent. So I would say you're always hiring. I, you've got to make sure your LinkedIn page is sharp and up-to-date and accurate. The days of resumes are coming to an end. Um, more and more people are researching jobs and employers and, and, and hiring people through LinkedIn. It is the professional platform that, um, that everyone is using. So make sure your company page is very compelling and make sure you've got an interview process defined. You know, does the person interview with every member of the firm? Uh, do you do a phone screening 
uh, interview first? You know, what is the process that you follow uh, to hire uh, a new employee? Write that out. We also recommend that you, you consider tools like Strengths Finders. Uh, Gallup, uh, the Gallup Research Organization, has this great tool called Strengths Finder. There's a book. I'm sure many people who are listening to this have, have done it and heard of it. Um, it's just a, it's a great added tool to evaluate how a person might fit with your team, um, and we use we use it all the time. So those are just a few things that I would recommend you consider when you're getting ready for the hiring process. How how do you? There's a mental part of hiring. There's yeah. a, there's a psychological part when you when you haven't when you've done it all yourself for all these years, and it gets to that point where you need to hire somebody. It's a it's it's fear. It's a fearful thing because you're afraid that you're going to hire the wrong person, or you're going to pay them too much, or you're not going to pay them enough, or or I'm not going to have enough work for them. How do you get over that barrier? Um, and that's part of probably number one, part of you know how to grow is how do you how do you get to the point where you can comfortably say, okay, I, I am going to hire them, and then I'll go through these steps to make sure that I can get the right people. Yeah, well, so when I say this, I, I don't mean it in a flippant way by any means because I've been responsible for payroll before. I know what it means to have another person and their family dependent on you to run a good business and continue to keep it in business. And I understand the pressures that that brings, but you just got to get over it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it is a risk, there's no question, but you're, you're running a business, you know, and a business is a risky endeavor. Um, and a business involves human relationships and human relationships are complicated and risky and you will make mistakes. I mean, I've hired salespeople for 20 years and my, my batting average is below 500. I mean, it's, you know, it, you make mistakes, um, and you've just gotta, you just gotta dive in and do it. Uh, I mean, I would certainly encourage, as I said before, you know, thinking through the process and developing a plan and making sure that you're prepared, but you know, eventually you just got to go out there and bring new people on board. In order to grow a really good, successful firm, you, the firm owner, have got to become good at assessing talent, at bringing, at re- recruiting talent, convincing them to come and take a risk on you as well, at coaching and encouraging them and growing them as members of your firm. I mean, that's fundamental to being able to grow uh, a good firm. And, and knowing the specific roles that you need to hire for. Yeah. To not just to hire somebody because you need somebody. To, yeah. To plan in as part of that plan, make sure that you understand the different roles that your your firm plays, and hire for specific roles, um, and take your time in hiring. Right, Todd. I mean, yeah. You, you, yeah. It, you that that process that you have put in place before you start hiring, you need that process needs to be thorough enough that when you do hire somebody. You know quite a bit about them. Maybe it's more than one meeting. Maybe it's a, a pre-interview, and then maybe it's a, a meeting where somebody comes in and then you take them around and show them show them your work, and you spend some time with them, so you can kind of really get to know them as people and and learn their personalities. Um, I think that's really important to 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 to. There's a saying that's, you know, hire slow, uh, fire slow. fast. That's right. right, and that's the other half of it. Is 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 there is a fear. But it's not permanent. If you make a mistake, and you will, I've made I made three or four mistakes before I found the person that was right for my firm when I first started hiring. I was way too long in firing, way too long. Yeah, it yeah. it it really was painful to to let the person go. I knew within a week they were the wrong person, and they were there for over a year. 
before yeah. I let them go. And so slowly hiring so you know that you get the right person will give you an, uh, uh, less likely you're going to have to fire them. But if they're in there and you realize that this is not the right person for the role, you need to let them go quickly and get somebody else in that seat uh, who might be a better candidate. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. We talk a lot about the developing a culture of transparency. Um, we feel like that that's critical to a to a really successful firm. And a cultural transparency means that you you know you involve the others that are in your firm in the hiring process, and you let candidates get to know them separate from you. You know you don't have to be in the room. Let the let the um, other people in your firm be involved in that and give you good honest feedback. You know, having multiple perspectives on whether the candidate is a good fit in your firm is, is really important. And to speak to your um, your comment about roles, we've been doing some work in this area of trying to define um, the best kind of scale, if you will, of, of various positions. So, you know, from a very young, unlicensed um, person who's coming into a firm to work and work towards getting licensed all the way up to the seasoned, you know, 25-year veteran who's now a partner. What are what are the different roles look like in that in that lifespan? So we've been we've been working on that now for about the last last month, and um, as well as a checklist of the things that you should have in place before you go out and make your first hire. The various policies and processes that you need to have in place, and then we use those tools with the firms that we invest in. We we deliver those tools to them to use as they as they build their practice. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to FreshBooks and the Architecture Business Plan Competition for their support as platform sponsors of Entree Architect. Because as platform sponsors, FreshBooks and Charette Venture Group, the founders and organizers of the Architecture Business Plan Competition, they've provided funding and support for our overall mission to become an influential force in this profession of architecture, they recognize the need for small firms to build better businesses in order to be better architects. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use accounting software designed to help us small firm owners get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. It takes care of invoicing, expense tracking, estimating, reporting, and it all happens out on the cloud. So you have access to all of your information from anywhere you have access to the internet. And as an exclusive offering just for us at Entree Architect, I've asked FreshBooks to join me on video and show us around the product FreshBooks. And I know that you, once you see it, you'll like it. Tim Lee of FreshBooks and I produced a series of videos and they're available for free at EntreeArchitect.com slash FreshBooks video. EntreeArchitect.com slash FreshBooks video. And when you're ready to give FreshBooks a try, Go to freshbooks.com slash architect and sign up for your free 30-day trial. And make sure you let them know that you came from us, Entree Architect. Just add that to the how did you hear about us section when you sign up at Entree Architect. Or let them know, Entree Architect, when you sign up at freshbooks.com slash architect. And the Architecture Business Plan Competition. This is a great opportunity to take your firm to greater success with a plan. When you register, you'll get free training and a chance to win $10,000. That's the grand prize that's going to the winner of the Architecture Business Plan Competition. We'll be discussing more about the Architecture Business Plan Competition later in this episode, so stay tuned. But thank you to Charette Venture Group, the organizers of the competition, for their support 
as a platform sponsor. To learn more about the competition and to register, go to archbusinessplan.com. That's A-R-C-H businessplan.com. So number one is is the, the number one struggle question that the small firms might have is how to grow. Right. Uh, the number two is how to hire. Once you know what you need to do to grow, then how do you actually get the team in place to make that growth happen? What's the third one? Well, I mean, I, I, I have to say something about selling. I mean, business development seems to be a, a big struggle among so many firms. And it's interesting, the struggle's not uh, what you might think it is, you know, it's, it's not, uh, in, in technology and other sectors that we work in, sometimes you run across, you know, people are asking for the business or they're great relationship builders and they don't, they don't, you know, get to the sale, uh, um, or there's, you know, there's communication gaps in the front end or something that's pretty common it, with architects. It seems to be, um, it's, it's just, uh, balancing all of the demands that you have. And not getting into that, into that um, lurching back and forth between panicking, running out and getting all of the business that you can and then getting back into the shop and doing all the work and then forgetting that you need to go back and do the business development constantly. You know, it's this, it's this kind of lack of consistency, I guess, is the best way to put it. And people who have heard me talk before, they know I'm always talking about developing uh, a really well-defined business development process. You know, what are the various stages of the process? And where does everyone that you're talking to fall in each of those stages so that you can look at how you're working your contacts through your sales process. Um, and that sales process should drive your marketing program. Um, it all works, all works in, in, interrelated. And um, among small firms, we see that it, it's virtually non-existent in business development is about what organizations they belong to or, you know, what referrals that they can get from existing clients. And there's not really this proactive, very kind of global thought uh, about, about business development. And that's, that's a major struggle for small firms and one that you can't, if you can't solve that problem, you know, it, you won't grow. But I'm an artist. <laughs> I, I'm going to design a wonderful, beautiful, amazing architecture that people love and more beautiful architecture is going to come walking through the door because I designed this amazing architecture. I think that's great, and I highly respect that. Now I just need you to spend a little time designing really healthy relationships with prospective buyers. Yeah. Right? You need to design the process and work the process just like you do um, your professional designs. Uh, you know, it's, and, and I, honestly, I think many architects could be very good at it if they, you know, if they had the proper training and support and guidance, I think they'd be very good at it. Yeah, I, I suspect that many architects don't even realize that they should be selling. And I and I speak from experience. I, I was in business with Five Cat Studio for over five years, um, doing very well uh, and plateaued and didn't know why. And so I, I took a, a business course that went through all the different pieces of business and kind of every week was a different subject. And every week was, was, you know, spot on. We were doing that right. And when we got to sales, the light bulb went off and the bells, alarms went off and everything. It was, it was so clear that we had no sales system at all. And that was our problem. We were great at marketing. We were great talking about who we were and what we did. And everybody knew who we were. And we did great architecture. We had our signs out there and even the phone rang. But the phone rang, we'd send the proposal out and we wouldn't hear back from them. 
it, because yeah. you know there was no sales system. There was no step after sending the proposal. And there's a whole process that needs to be put in place after you send the proposal in order to get the work. And that's called sales. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And it, and it should include, uh, include post-sale activities. So when you don't get the job, there should be a very well-defined set of questions that you ask uh, the person that are just to understand what could we have done better? Why did we not get this job? I mean, those are just some of the pieces that are, are involved in. And you should, be ha- you should be developing a marketing program, a website, and content that's generating good leads you know at the very top of the phone you should know what you do next with each of those leads and how you how you push them through the system uh, i did speak to um enix sears's uh summit uh, some some yeah. weeks ago and we talked about this topic um and i was going to give you a few examples of some um crm tools that are out there uh, customer relationship management tools um software that you can use to manage your uh your prospects and how they flow through the system. There's, they're all over the map. Uh, Salesforce.com is is the largest uh, global CRM tool, and it's extremely robust and complex. And it's more than than most small and even mid-sized firms need. Um, but there are some other top-ranking CRMs. Some of them are um, very affordable. Some of them are even free. They have like a freeware version. Uh, Zoho is one. Z O H O. Insightly is one that um, has been written about recently, I-N-S-I-G-H-T-L-Y. High Rise has been around for a while and continues to get good traction. And I know uh, your audience is very visual, so Pipe Drive is another tool that um, has a lot of really good visuals uh, to it. Gets gets awards all the time for the user interface. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I just so everybody knows, if you're in the car listening to this, I'm going to have all the links to these on the show notes at entrearchitect.com slash episode 103. So you can just go to entrearchitect.com slash episode 103 and you'll have links to all this stuff. Yeah, and just to be clear, I'm not, I'm not promoting any of those. Yeah, they're just um, resources. Take a look good. at them. Yeah, and you know what, what it might also help you do is if you look at them and see the way they work, it might help help you define what your sales process might look like and how you could even just create it manually. Right. Right. I mean, the sales process is, is simply a, st- a, a, a specific list of steps that you take until the person either hires you or they don't, don't hire you. And then there's another set of steps that you take after they either hire you or they don't hire you, but it's specific right. and it's intentional and it doesn't just happen. Right. Right. Absolutely. Right. And, you know, for a lot of small firms today that are one or two people, they think, what's the point? You know, they're managing 15 projects and they've got, you know, maybe 20 potential projects in the, in the hopper. And, and that's great. But when you begin to hire people and you've got four, five, six, seven people that we believe should all be involved in business development, business development should be a part of every person's job description in the firm, every, even down to the office manager. Um, some form of business development needs to be on everybody's plate, and you're going to need to coordinate what what you're all doing, who's talking to whom, and what was the last thing that we did with John, and the last thing we did with Susie, and are you assigned to this project, or is so-and-so assigned to it? And so these tools, like a CRM, allow you to, to track all of that and coordinate it much better and be more effective. 
Yeah. And th these three things, how to how to grow, how to hire, how to sell these, these three things are essentially what Charette does when, when they invest in a small firm, um, you bring your team to that small firm and help them develop all of this, right? Do you want to just sort of give us a brief background and, and structure on how an, a typical investment works? I mean, that's not the yeah. exact topic of this, but I want I wanted people who might be interested to understand how that works. Yeah, well, I appreciate you asking it because a lot of people just look at us with this kind of quirky look on their faces. They don't understand what we do, and yeah. um, it's it's nice to have the opportunity to explain it. I mean, we to go back to that original statement about how to grow. So many of these firms, you know, they they can't afford a full time office manager, a full time finance manager, a full time business development person, and so they really struggle with where to invest their resources. And so there are these gaps in their growth horizon. Is the way I put it. Um, and they're generally, you know, under half a million dollars a year in revenue. And so Charette Venture Group comes in and we fill those gaps. We've got, I've got specialists all over the world. We've got a, um, some of them have been on your show. You know, we've got yep. a business development specialist, a digital marketing specialist, a brand and web design specialist. And so we come in and we, we develop a plan with the firm about where can we fill the gaps and help you grow your revenues and grow your business. Um, so that at some point you begin to bring those in-house or you begin to you know, contract with freelancers to provide those services. But at some point, you, know, you, can, you wrap all of those services into your firm. But we help you get over, that, over that, um, that bridge, so to speak, from where you are at that smaller level to you know, a bigger level of what, what we say is somewhere between 2 and $3 million a year in annual revenue. Um, and so we, we come in and we provide those services and our typical deals are over a five-year span to really transform your firm and get you up into that really stable spot. And then the way that we make money is we get paid a percentage of your revenue. And that percentage can range all over the map. It just depends on how big you are, how fast we think you, we can get you to grow, and how many services we're putting into your firm. So you're not taking equity. You're not becoming a partner right. with them. You're taking right. strictly a percentage of their revenues for a certain amount of time. Correct. Correct. So. You know, if you don't grow to that ideal state that we've mapped out, you know, we lose. So yeah. we've got skin in the game. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you you uh, had the opportunity to talk about that because I get that question a lot too, having the relationship that I have with you. You know, how does this work? And so I was glad that, that you had the opportunity to talk about that. And and that sort of leads us into the architecture business plan competition because that's really um, how you're getting your message out. That's sort of how you're marketing what you do. So let's talk about the architecture business plan competition a little bit. You just announced the 2015 uh, version, I guess, of the architecture. 2016. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, 2016, right? It's, it's, yeah. we're, we're at the end of 2015 here. 2016 architecture business plan competition. Um, give us some background on that. It's the third year you've done it. And right. um, I'm a juror for the third time in a row. Thank you very much for that. I love being Thank part you. of it. Thank um, you. Talk about why you do that and how you do that. So uh, we do a variety of things that's at, you know, to, to speak about our sales process to generate the top leads, to generate interest in what CVG is doing. We speak at AAA conferences. We, um, we have a lot of public speaking engagements that we do. We do webinars. We do research. We publish, you know, publish blog posts, all to kind of get our brand out there and get people interested in what CVG is doing. But probably the biggest thing we do is the competition. Um, it's the only 
business plan competition focusing on architects uh, that we have discovered in the United States or Canada for sure. Um, we think it's probably the only one in the world. Um, but it is our third year for doing it. The first year was kind of a test, uh, and then 2015 was right in the middle of our research phase. So we were able to interview a lot of the firms that that uh, registered for the competition and get to know them a little bit. And so this next year, you know, is really kind of when we begin closing a lot of these investment deals. And so having that inflow of firms that are thinking about business planning and are led by entrepreneurial-minded architects is exactly what we need. Um, so the competition is now open for registration. Registration is free. All, all you do is fill out a brief form at arcbusinessplan.com, and um, and then you have until I'm going to miss these dates, Mark. When it's, when is the when is the registration close? Yeah, it closes. I'm going to tell you that here. I've got the timeline. So the registration closes uh, January 29th. Okay, 2015, uh, 2016. 2016. Correct. Right, for anybody listening to this after that. So we go wait, through wait for next year. <laughs> right, right. We go through about two months of promotions like this and, and advertising and um, getting the word out as much as we can to get as many people to register for the competition. Again, free and simple. And then once you register, we're going to have three um, webinars that are exclusive to registrants to try to help people as they're going through the planning process to try to help them with uh, some key pieces like uh, what does a pro forma look like, what does a marketing plan look like, you know, um, so the registrants get some real value for, for being a part of the competition. And then the deadline for submitting your executive summary and a two-minute video where you talk about the vision for your firm, um, that deadline is February 17th. Okay, so, so so February 17th, and it's not the full business plan. It's just right. an executive summary. Um, and you get free training. So you're right. getting, and this is all free. There's no, right. there's no charge at all anywhere through it. Um, right. This is, so you get, you register before the, the deadline in January. You get three free training courses on how to put together a business plan. Um, and then uh, the initial submission is an executive summary. So you're not committing to the entire business plan. So then right. what happens after that? So you submit the executive summary and we turn all of those over to our jurors. Um, thank you, Mark, for being a you're juror. Welcome. Matt Ostinick, our founder, is a juror. Um, Rena Klein, who, um, oh, Rena is not a juror this year, I'm sorry. She has she's been actually, the last, last couple of years. She has, yeah. She's uh, actually speaking at the convention, so she's unable to do it this year. Um, but we're uh, proud June, of being- June Jewel. June Jewell and Steve Burns, who's with BQE, uh, right. Archie Office Software. So then uh, we're really proud of uh, having that group of jurors uh, on board to, to help us. And I stay completely out of the process. The jurors have complete control over um, reviewing the executive summaries and the videos. I'm simply there to make sure that the competition is moving smoothly and be a resource for anybody who's uh, part of the competition and wants advice or help or wants to just talk through their plan. And then um, we turn the executive summaries and the two-minute video over to the jurors. They go through uh, all of that information. They have multiple conference calls, as you know, talking about all of the registrants. And then on March 4th, we will announce uh, the five finalists. And then what happens with the five finalists? They, they put together a full plan, correct? Right, right. So they begin working on their full plan um, and, and you know, building up the entire plan. 
and then we uh, we fly or transport uh, two members from each firm to Philadelphia uh, on May 17th, and we uh, pay for all of your transportation and your lodging at the hotel in Philadelphia. And then on the 18th of May, um, each of the finalists will come into a meeting room and present their full plan to the jurors in person. That goes on all day May 18th. And then the evening of May 18th, the jurors meet and they decide on our winners. And then uh, we have a, a, a nice reception on the evening of the 19th. Um, we'll invite all of the registrants and people that have been in the competition, people past winners will be there. And then we will announce the grand prize winner and hand them a $10,000 check. Nice. $10,000. And then there's also runner-up as well, right? Right. We did two $2,500 runner-up awards uh, last year. I think we'll do that again this year. And yeah, I mean, it's, and it's not only the $10,000, but you get, you know, all of the people who have been finalists have said to us that being at the AI, the location of the AIA National Convention with the other finalists and interacting with them and the CBG group and people that have been a part of the competition in the past was a tremendous value. Yeah. They develop a great network. Through right. Whether you win or not, it's, it's worth the, being a finalist. It's worth doing it at all just to, right. to, to do it. It's a great incentive to get started because we're all talking about doing it. And we, we've been promising ourselves that we're going to do it. Well, here's an opportunity to do it. And if you get picked as a finalist, you actually get a free ride to the AIA convention. That wasn't really clear what you were saying, Todd, but you, you, you picked Philadelphia and that date because that's the day before the AIA convention opens in Philadelphia. Right. And, and so you, you, you pay for their travel to the convention as well. They have to pick up their, their lodging after, right? I mean, after the... Yeah, right, but, right. Uh, but you're there in Philadelphia and you're there with all of the other finalists. It's a, it's a great event. It's a great opportunity uh, to be part of this architecture business plan competition. I've been, like I said, involved with it for three years now. And I'm so excited to be involved in it again. Um, it's, it's a really exciting event to see happen. And the growth that happens from the day they start and they register all the way through until it's a, a final submission and you present it live. And then you have this reception, this great reception where the, the winner is announced. And uh, we talk about it on social media as it's happening. It's, it's a really, really cool event. Yeah, well, thank you for saying that. We, you know, we hope that we can get the story out about the finalists um, even better than we have in the past because, you know, we'd like uh, we'd like listeners and people that are in this field to get excited about the firms that are really working on this and which ones will be the winners. And uh, you know, I also want to say thank you to you know our sponsors. We have Arc News Now, Church Designer, Architizer, UMark, uh, Enix, uh, the business of architecture. And then our premier sponsor, BQE, Archeoffice Software, they're all helping us really get the word out uh, about the competition and try to get as many registrants as we possibly can. Yeah, it's, it's great. And it's free to enter. And grand prize is $10,000. It doesn't get better than that. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, so, Todd, um, Charette Venture Group, if people wanted to learn more, they can go to charettevg.com, right? Yes. And that's two R's and two T's in Charette. So charettevg, as in venture group, dot com. Yes. Um, so if anybody's interested in learning more about what you guys do there or, or uh, you know, any, anybody's interested in an in investment, 
that's where you go. And for the architecture business plan competition, you go to archbusinessplan.com. That's A-R-C-H businessplan.com. And all of the details and all of the registration information is there at archbusinessplan.com. So um, Todd, thank you very much for your dedication to the profession and everything you're doing at Charette Venture Group. And thanks for sharing your knowledge here at the Entree Architect podcast. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Mark. I really appreciate it. And uh, as you said, if anybody has any questions or interest in the competition or in Charette Venture Group, I'd love to talk to you. My contact information is on the website. Sounds good. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Complete show notes with all of the links of all the information that we talked about on today's show can be found at entrearchitects.com slash episode 103. That's the one to share as well. If you want to share this episode with your friends, entrearchitects.com slash episode 103. By sharing this episode, you get the word out about what we're doing here and spreading the word. I appreciate it. And the all-new EntreeArchitect.com. I am so excited. It is coming soon. It's coming January. The first week of January, it's going to be all-new. All-new website, new blog, new newsletter, maybe even some changes here at the podcast. We'll see. And the Entree Architect Academy is getting a complete overhaul as well. I am so excited. Every month, there's going to be live training, discussions, resources, everything that you will need to build a better business. For details on how and when and why to enroll at Entree Architect Academy, sign up for the Entree Architect Report. That's our free weekly newsletter. Subscribers will be the first to know about anything going on at the new Entree Architect. So sign up at entrearchitect.com slash newsletter and you will be the first to know. entrearchitect.com slash newsletter for all of the information about the new Entree Architect coming in January. I am pumped. My name is Mark Arlapage, and I am an entrepreneur architect, and I encourage you to go share what you know. We'll see you next week. Thank you very much for listening. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. 
The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.